Hey everybody, it's Chris Ryan. You're about to listen to the Ringer NBA show group chat tonight. We talked about LeBron James's Toronto takeover and a very emotional Sixers Celtics game, which saw Ben Simmons uh, maybe come back to earth a little bit. I had some feelings about that. We really appreciate you listening. We recorded this on Thursday night right after the games, and this is also part of a live video. You can watch us every week, Wednesday or Thursday, after a, b- a bunch of good games on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, however you want to do it. I want to tell you a little bit about some stuff that's happening on The Ringer before we get going. We are part of The Ringer Podcast Network, and so is The Dave Chang Show. It's an awesome new podcast from the chef Dave Chang. He is obviously responsible for restaurants like Momofuku and the new Los Angeles restaurant Major Domo. In the first episode of The Dave Chang Show, Dave talked about the opening of Major Domo. It's a fantastic look inside of how restaurants really work, how the creative and craft of cooking and running a restaurant works. So I really recommend you check out the Dave Chang Show. Subscribe to that. On TheRinger.com this week, we had lots of great basketball stuff. Kevin O'Connor wrote about Kevin Love. We'll have plenty of looks tomorrow, Friday, if you're listening to this on Friday, about this Toronto-Cleveland game. It's been a great week on The Ringer. You should also check out the NBA draft guide that we do with Kevin, Danny, Jonathan Sharks, giving mock drafts, giving analysis of all the prospects. So please be sure to check that out. And without further ado, let's get into Ringer NBA show group chat. Basketball is very good. OKC would make the finals in the East. Ben Simmons doesn't need a jumper. Terry Rozier is more clutch than Kyrie. Basketball is very good. Welcome to a completely unbiased NBA ringer, <laughs> NBA show. It's group chat. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. I'm, I'm not dispassionate about this. It's more of a funeral than any sort of celebration post game. My name is Chris Ryan. My mm. psychologist is Justin Verrier. Haley O'Shaughnessy is here. Kevin O'Connor here, is here. The blog boys, the Bitcoin boys are in the back. <laughs> Say hi, everybody. It's What's Paolo. Keith, Pat, Danny's here. Uh, tacos. The Sixers are about to lose to the Boston Celtics. Eight seconds left. Yeah, in game two of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Fun. No faith. Uh, it's eight time. seconds left, so Reggie Miller is not coming out of the tunnel anytime soon. <laughs> Good We're going to get though. into everything Sixers-Celtics. We're going to get into everything uh, Cavs-Raptors. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the other series still going on. But let's talk about what everybody's going to be talking about starting basically right now is where the hell did Ben Simmons go? Kevin. Well, Boston's defense. So you think uh, it's a I matter of getting swallowed sure. up? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's a number of factors. It's like we've talked about this the whole season. I've written about it before. We're like, he can't shoot right now, so there's a limitation in the half court. But Boston's ability to throw different guys at him on the floor, whether it was Al Horford or whether it was Marcus Smart, they really just limited Ben Simmons from getting into the paint, which is the only place he can score right now. Right, and it's like when that's not – if he's not getting into the paint and then distributing – it's four on five on offense. Because yeah. he won't shoot. Yeah. He's not willing to shoot. He's not willing to take a shot he won't miss. Took four the entire game. He missed all of them. Uh, like, a, so what are you doing on the court if, and he, if you he can't only took that two way. before uh, he got yanked, and then he came yeah. back with, like, what, five minutes Let's left? be really real. They went up with TJ on the floor. They went. The Sixers yeah. went up in this game with TJ McConnell leading this team. And when Embiid and Simmons came back in in the fourth quarter, now it's 103-106, so I have yeah. to pay attention to this. Yeah. <laughs> to pull the curtain back just a little bit, okay, Chris was definitely keeping out. for TJ to replace Ben Simmons' future rookie oh, of the year. We're, we're not so well, far along. Okay, so here's the. there's two sides of this. Mm-hmm. You leave Ben Simmons in to learn from mistakes and show him that it's his team and you gotta like come through adversity and and build your character by losing or winning in these big hot situations and taking shots and maybe take a shot from time to time in the basketball game yeah and then the other side of it is he's just a kid he's still a quote unquote rookie and sometimes everybody needs to sit and TJ TJ showed them, like, TJ got them back in this game. It was a great call by Brett Brown to do that. It took a lot of guts, and it's one of the reasons why he's a great coach. They were were down six when they pulled Ben Simmons and put TJ McConnell in late in the third quarter. Then they were up two when Ben Simmons eventually went back in. McConnell's energy really changed that game and brought Philly back into it. But that, that you need Ben Simmons when this game goes back to game three to elevate his play in the half court. You need to post him up, I think. you got to find a way to get him going. I think the thing that's making me so upset is that this is not like it's not like Miami didn't th- try to throw some stuff at him last series it's like they were really Literally physical with him <laughs> <laughs> like MMA fighters were right. scoring off yeah. with him Bo- Boston's just better though like they have more guys that they can throw at Ben Simmons and not only that they have more guys that they can put on everybody else on the floor as well especially Joel Embiid with Aaron Beans or Al, Al Horford and, and maybe they have a better rookie 
Have mm-hmm. we ever Ooh. considered that? Come oh, on, I mean, like Jason Tatum played like the Rookie of the Year, and it's funny because we completely overlooked I, him in the discussion. Quick note: Nothing's funny about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we overlooked Tatum in this entire discussion. It was Mitchell or Simmons. Obviously, Tatum kind of tailed off toward the end of that season. His three-point shooting, which was like in the high 40s at a certain point early in the season, tapered off. Significantly tapered off as we look, and he's about to go to the line right now. I just think like he makes so much sense for this team, and it's great to see him stepping up. Yeah, I mean, he's filling this Jalen Brown void. Jalen Brown did play tonight, but pretty much he would do something cool and then look like he just tore his hamstring. Right, and then have like that wince face. But then he would always still go up and like shoulder bump his teammates, and we were like, don't leave the ground. There was a couple of plays, Haley, where we saw uh, Ben Simmons also getting absolutely smoked by Terry Rozier. (laughs) Or Marcus Smart. Happens to the best of them. <laughs> so if he's going to be a, a negative on defense and he's going to be a negative on offense, this is, I'm not panicking. Like, look, even if they lose this series, so be it, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I they, wouldn't they, panic. Wait, the, the series starts when it goes mentally. to Philly. Yeah. So wait, right. can we Are just recap here? They, they can't play one of their number one overall picks and they can't play the more recent one. I didn't one. say they can't play Simmons. I'm mm. just saying but that stretch. tonight yeah. he threw a donut and it's like if it, he's just got to get his mind right, whatever's going on. These are The, the rest thing I don't want to hear it, about because it, he, had, he had his rookie wall. He got over mm-hmm. it. He looked incredible against Miami. Is it really getting his mind right though or is it getting his game right? He doesn't use his left hand to finish around the rim. And he can't shoot. He shoots with the wrong hand. Well, you hands. can't get your game right in between oh, game one that. and two. Oh, oh you know for what sure. I mean? That's what I mean. It's more about like the off season and the next couple of years that he needs to improve on these significant weaknesses. Right, which but, I guess is what you can take right. as a happy takeaway from this loss. I have no happy takeaways. Paolo. But as the game goes final, <laughs> to kind of add to you guys' point here, it's the final line for Simmons is he's a minus 23. Ooh. And uh, TJ is a plus 17, so just, you know, yeah, cool take that as you will. Do Real quick here, can, I, just, can I just check out, <laughs> I love <laughs> math, uh, can we just check on your emotional state here? How um, you doing? I'm still like in a like real post Super Bowl zone Mm. where like nothing can hurt me. (laughs) But I love this team more than some of my family members, and this was a really disappointing (laughs) performance. And we got Covington back into where where he needed to be, where he looked like an incredible two way player tonight. And I was hoping like there's no way that Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier can play out of their minds like they did the first game. And Smart's shooting numbers were bad. Well, not this game. Yeah, no, this game game was good. He's Marcus four for Smart. Four yeah, he yeah. was four for four. Yeah. I think he finished four from seven. Four from four for ten. ten. So he's yeah, over six so on those last threes. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty typical Smart. Defensively, Kevin just kept like gushing over Dude. the entire game. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there, there was that play in, I believe, the third quarter where Sixers had, I think, four on five. Four, no, four on two in transition, and Marcus Smart just stepped up and stripped the ball from Ben Simmons in transition in a play where Sixers probably have an incredible points per possession. That was uh, that, that honestly driving. speaks to a lot of like what happened in the game, which was that the Celtics looked more explosive, but even the Celtics that weren't supposed to look explosive did. Like Al Horford blowing past Joel Embiid at the end yeah. was really weird and just like not encouraging at all. For the Sixers? I mean, this is what we talked about just a few weeks ago. We were talking about Kryptonites, right? And I Mm -hmm. think what we brought up was a team that was good enough and experienced enough to go at some of their younger Sixers players. And now you're starting to see it a bit where they designed a defense and can execute it. And Ben Simmons is a little shook. Like, long term, he could be a top 20 player in the league, top 5 player in the league. But right now, he still needs to figure out how to get over this first hurdle. It seems like they're a little put back based on, like, their first sign of adversity for a young up-and-coming team. you were saying earlier is that he can't shoot through it, and no, that's the difference. No, it's like because it's he like, literally will not shoot, and that's I think very uncommon for what we see in all basketball right now, right? Like we with such a shooters league that we're so used to seeing guys if they're slumping, okay, just keep chucking, keep keep chucking. You'll get you'll it'll go in, you'll be fine. But Ben, it's literally like a tomahawk jam or nothing mm. for him. And yeah. if he's yeah. not getting runways to the lane, if they're not designing plays where he's getting like three or four feet of, of clear space to get to the hoop. Obviously, it just tightened up tonight. I take your point about like uh, running into a team that was a little bit more experienced, but it's not like these guys are like 
the 04 Spurs or something like that, and like Robert Ori is out there. This but is like that they have the backbone, as we've always said. They have the system in place, and they have guys that fit the certain roles that maybe they're not to the level of Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, but they do fit what they want to do, especially defensively. This is what the best defense in the league it, this season. Best defense in the league, and everybody on the team can defend except for Shane Larkin. <laughs> Everybody is a really good defender. Shane Larkin, I mean, and Shane Larkin at least hustles and is Chris, good position, like TJ. I don't want to make your night uh, worse, yeah. but uh, I do have a stat no, for make you. Make it worse. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, at this point, right? Uh, I do have a stat for you that apparently the, the Celtics in series where they've gone up 2 0 uh-huh. are 36 0. All right. Wow. I mean, the Celtics blew a 2 0 lead. Is that what we're doing now? That seems like I, I get that. But, like, you're, this is about compressed narratives. You're supposed to hold serve at home, right? Well, if the Sixers win the next two games, what are we talking about? If they win their next two games at home, is this like, is this an even series? Is this going to come down to seven? I think the series still goes six or seven games. I would love to see the stats of a team that goes up 2 nothing. In, in a series. I think that they're probably overwhelming in favor of the team that went up. Yes. These are very I, I, abnormal teams to do that to, though. On one hand, you have a very young team. On the other hand, you have a team that was half backups to start the season. Yeah. M- my question is for Philly is, what exactly do you do? Like, what's the adjustment? Because the issue with posting... You want to blow it up? Well, blow no, it up. No. <laughs> 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 the problem with posting up Ben Simmons and using him in a playmaking role there is that Joel Embiid is not yet a great threat from three-point range. One of six tonight, only around 30% of the entire season. So it's like, you want Embiid inside, and yet you also need Simmons there as well. It, it's just a... Really yeah. difficult contrast and styles because I, I do think you need to probably just stomach it and just put Simmons in the post and yeah. see what happens. You need to do it more. Well, this is kind of the question that I'm most interested in going forward. Yeah. Is this just a blip on the radar that they're going to figure out in this series? Or is this something we have to worry more about them going forward? Because oh, the big yeah. issue with adding another piece to this team is that they're two guys right now both aren't good shooters. Right. This is it's, okay. So it's a, now that this game is officially done and dusted, we could kind of reset and talk about it. Now it's was they lost one oh eight one oh three, and Justin is alluding, possibly, to the arrival of LeBron James. Right. Like you were talking, like right. that was like a possible uh, like the Sixers were being tossed out there and are still being tossed out there as a possible landing spot for LeBron. Now. Justin's November, Don't discount <laughs> his November prediction of, of the Knicks because yeah. of Fizdale be, is, is, is now being thrown out there. Was that the Post today, the New York Post? I said. believe so. It's so there was a New York Post report today that Fizdale could be an, an attracting, uh, attracting LeBron James. But before we get there, <laughs> your point is basically that there's not enough ball to go around for a guy like Simmons who's all on ball to yeah. have somebody like LeBron. That it needs to be somebody like PG or even like maybe I say like Kawhi or something like that. It, he doesn't need the ball so much to create, right? It's the Ben Simmons problem, and that's why a lot of people had him ranked behind Brandon Ingram in the draft. And Simmons, that was a mistake. Simmons should, should be, going forward, ranked ahead of Ingram. And he's the better prospect, the better player. But when, when it comes to team building, you certainly do need to think about the pieces around him, and that's going to be the difficulty moving forward. Embiid needs to improve as a three-point shooter. Yep. The guys that they add need to be able to shoot off ball as well, unless... Ben Simmons is able to become at least an average three-point shooter. Nobody needs him I don't to need be him. great. I honestly, at this point, would take an average 10-foot shooter. It's interesting because so. entering the playoffs, we were like, part of the beauty is that he can do all this without a three-point shot. It almost makes him, you know, different in a way. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing how much of a problem it is. I think the problem is it confirms our greatest fear. And what yeah. everyone yeah. had, like, the one knock on him since he was in college, before he was in college, was this. And it's really kind of... It's bearing fruit right now. I think the biggest issue I see is that pretty much the three other guys around Embiid and Simmons shot well from three. You have Covington playing out of his mind, playing mm-hmm. the best defense you can hope. He much shot four for seven, game. much better, yeah, much where it's better. the point where he might have, should have been playing the bench most of the time that game. Redick was five for nine. So you're getting those guys scoring off of kickouts, and yet you're still not overcoming the Celtics team. Yeah, I mean, Kevin... We, we've kind of talked all, so much about Donovan Mitchell over these last couple of weeks. Everything winds up affecting... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Louisville Cardinal uh, Alumni Association. Right. Everything winds up affecting our perception of everything else. If Donovan Mitchell isn't essentially leading the, the Jazz into a tied series against the best regular season team we had this season, 
Does this look as bad? Is there is it is it a matter of like what he's going up against? Honestly, it doesn't for me. No, yeah. I, I think like Justin mentioned, like it, it's almost a, it's confirming some of the the flaws with with Ben Simmons, and it's not just the jumper though; it's the lack of a left hand around the rim, and a little bit this this series, some games one and two. Some of the defense has been really weirdly inconsistent with him. He had an unbelievable season. Yeah. I had him on one of the all defense teams, I believe, if I remember correctly. If not, he on on the borderline of it. This year, Terry Rozier has blown by him in games one and two. Can't a lot believe of those words are coming out of your mouth. It, it's difficult. <laughs> I got some. Uh, I have some. Uh, You're like M- the dude from Breaking Bad back there. <laughs> <laughs> I have some uh, NBA, NBA player spice fresh off of Twitter right now. Ooh, okay. Uh, yes. Goran Dragic, who I believe is on a team that is eliminated from the playoffs by the 76ers. Exactly. Yeah. Just tweeted out. This is it. Just Roy. That's it. Retire. Uh, <laughs> out of here. Come on, Goran. Um, I was gonna ask something important about Boston. You know what? I actually have a would you rather. I wanna make sure I get this in. Okay, would you rather (laughs) be Markel on the bench watching Tatum This is a go bad beat. Off. Oh my God. <laughs> or would you rather be Ben Simmons watching TJ McConnell go off? Oh, I'd much rather be Ben Simmons. Yeah, ben Simmons ben, is not getting sure. benched for TJ McConnell. Yeah. Having said that, I would rather be Markel because this is not a new experience. You should be used to it by now. <laughs> I haven't been back to Boston Ooh. since 1999, Kevin. When you worked at the Middle East. Yes, right? thank yes. you. I uh, <laughs> heard that on a podcast. You know, <laughs> 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 um, but I do, th- I do think it's worth noting that that is not Miami. That is like a much more intense playoff atmosphere yeah. than maybe the Sixers saw when they went to Florida and had like a half full gym. For sure. We talked about this on some podcast earlier. I forget which night it was, but it's like they, the Sixers haven't gone against a defense like this in about two months yeah. or so. I mean, this is the best defense in basketball that they're going against. And with Miami, it was That's like, a really good point. With Miami, it was like, who do they throw against them? Justice Winslow or Josh Richardson or, or, or James Johnson? Three guys. With Boston, it's four, five different guys that they can put on him, and then they can still match up against everybody else. And I think one of the problems tonight for Philly was more so, like even Embiid, uh, Simmons not doing anything was an issue, but fatigue, they really exhausted a lot of energy early on in the game, it seemed like. Embiid getting blown by on that late possession when Horford drove right by him. I can't tell, that might have been as much of like, I have a five fouls, and if we hit a three on the other end of the court, this is going to overtime, and maybe I'm not playing it. It made Al Horford look explosive. Yeah, but that's like that's, that's actually just really good play design, though, isn't it? Like, it just setting those guys up where he's, like, turned that far away. I don't know. Paolo, did you have something? Yeah, so, okay, so we have a question from Peter Car- Carlone. He asks, is, is Kyrie a Ewing Theory candidate? Ooh. And I kind of, <laughs> I, I want to ask that, but I also want to kind of connect that to Kevin's point, which he was saying, you know, this is, Boston has the best defense in the league. Is it as good because Kyrie's out? Ooh. Yeah, you don't get the legendarily ferocious defense of Terry I mean, Rozier if he, Kyrie Irving is in. You also don't get Kyrie Irving hitting game game seven jumpers to right. clinch, sure. clinch the NBA finals. Yeah, I don't think that was needed tonight. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest issue going forward is that now we have to deal with this Celtics team potentially in the East Finals again. And I'm yes, so tired yes. of like the the narratives about like oh they're all together and like they, they just scrap and Brad Stevens the president get out of here. I'm man. sorry, Justin. Would you rather watch the Raptors in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> <laughs> no, I like neither of them. Let's talk about the only team more screwed than Philly tonight. Ugh. The Toronto. Pelicans? <laughs> <laughs> Toronto. Let's talk about Toronto. The uh, the collapse, the extinction of the Toronto Raptors. Somewhere uh, just out of my field of vision is Danny Chow. There's a tear slowly rolling down. <laughs> an, an IPA-flavored tear rolling out of his eye. And uh, this was an absolute... Shot like horror show for them. Like yeah. absolutely, like this is the worst possible thing that could have happened. You got punched in the mouth by LeBron the first game that happens. You guys got to come back and defend your home court and split and go to Cleveland and exploit that terrible defense and hope that these guys have a collapse like they've had before. And they come out and they didn't just lose. Like they were never in this. Yeah. On behalf of everyone from the Ringer to all of Toronto. 
Shh, get out of the mentions. Because we're, we're just done. We, we just can't deal with all the Raptors hate because the, the entire season, the whole story from there has been, well, you guys don't take us seriously. You don't respect us. Like, why don't you watch our games? Even the broadcast would complain about like not getting fouls because they don't have this sort of star celebrity status as some of these other teams. But as we've seen, we were all right to assume that because they haven't showed anything differently. They're still showing the same I, I issues as before. I actually am pretty wrong because I was... <laughs> So in on the Raptors, I was like, this is different. All the things that eliminated them last time in the playoffs are different. Yeah. You know, relying on Lowry too much and not having enough ball movement. So I'm just completely uh, wrong. But I still think it's the same problem as the beginning of a season before I saw that Casey's system had totally changed. Yeah, and that's, right. you need a wing. I, I like, also think there was a lot of reason to respect the Raptors. Uh, I think they changed their system. DeRozan and a lot of the players on that team did change their games to adapt to it. It's just, that's kind of the fears that despite all that, despite everything going right for that team, OG Ananobi being one of the better rookies in the league, really, especially on the defensive end of the floor, it's still not enough. No. And that's the scary part. So right. let me, ooh. Oh. Young Paolo. So to, I, I'm wondering to that point because we have a question from uh, at Big Chon C64. Is that, I don't know if that's a fake account or real, but uh, he's asking. <laughs> you said Russian bots are tweeting about the Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's asking two questions, but I'll ask a Toronto one first because he's asking if if there's a missing piece, Kevin. You think maybe Toronto can add, can add in the future, and who that is, or does their ceiling remain the same as long as they keep the same backcourt? My, my my question with with back to Big Chauncey is that like with what cap space? That sure. that was like when we did the blow it up article yeah. last year, like saying like they should bring it back, see how it goes, and maybe pull the plug. Then, it, it, I I don't know what you're gonna do. Like I mean, nobody wants to, uh, Jonas Valanciunas on his contract. Nobody wants a washed Ibaka. up Serge Ibaka. I mean, DeRozan and Lowry. is like challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, DeRozan and Lowry. Frankly, I don't think there's much value out there. That right. was one of the issues, like with the blow it up thing last year. Just nobody, I don't think, really wanted DeRozan. So it's like, what changes can you actually make on this team? That that that's what I'm afraid. I will of tell you. Okay, so the problem with this Raptors, right? This is like this stuff. This thing that Bosch said, Chris Bosch said to Bill Simmons a couple weeks ago in their pot, their fantastic podcast. When he's talking about That's the great. 2012 Thunder, and he was talking about how they were like Westbrook and Durant can get their 50. We were concentrated on Harden. You look at what happened tonight to the Raptors. It's a perfect example of that. DeRozan and Lowry got their about 50, and then yeah. the, there was just a flat line. Yep. There was not a third guy to step up there. So what do they need? They need that third player, let's say. Let's just say hypothetically. But what this season did was actually build value on all those below DeRozan and Lowry assets. Mm -hmm. Forget Valanciunas. I'm talking OG. We're talking Van Vliet. We're talking about... Strong, uh, yeah, the strongest bench in the NBA right? sometimes. That's a good package, mm -hmm. man. Whether it's know. getting a first-round pick or whether it's getting a, a, a star who's got a wandering eye somewhere... I don't know. I think that how, you can do I something like that. I think it's, like it's too late to do that, though. See, yeah. Fred Van Vliet is like the superstar version of TJ McConnell. Right? Right. It's like, I mean, like, what are you really getting? I mean, like, DeLon... Hashtag Ringer NBA is Fred Van Vliet the superstar version of TJ McConnell. No, no, but I'm with Kevin, though. I think if you're going to blow anything up, it's the coaching staff. And, like, I would like to see some new blood go in there and see what can they could do with the existing talent there. Because I think... As a whole, they have a lot of pieces, and I would want to see someone not wait four or five years until you decide to shoot three-pointers. Like, what can someone other than, than Dwayne Casey do with those sort okay, of guys? Okay, so he decided to shoot three-pointers, so now what? And you like, what do they do now? Like, like with this straight-up team, you bring Stotts in. Well, I think the point our friend yeah. Danny Chow would make is that maybe you don't play C.J. Miles at like the five and just like completely get shook in your lineups and just start throwing things out there that just don't make any sense. It's funny that you say Stotts because one of my factor fictions is that you could change different pieces from Portland and the Raptors and nobody would notice. Which is a huge indictment on the Eastern Conference. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. <laughs> that a team that came in third in the West and lost in the first round is would have been like the far and away best team in the Eastern Conference. Right. Paolo, did you have a blow it up thing? Yeah, we have another question from uh, John Lucas Duffy. He's asking, um, I don't know if this is two anti-Raptors, but he said, should the Raptors be moved? Wait, to you want to know if it's two anti-Raptors after, <laughs> after Justin? I know, Canada? we're really leaning into it, but here we go. So should the Raptors be moved to Seattle if they get swept? <laughs> oh, come on. That's what I, that's this what is I a meant. dope fan base. That's a fun oh arena. Seattle is a lovely place. Have you ever been? Who's, who's the lush train going to do? 
Huh? Drake's got to go hockey games? What's he going to do? Ibaka can go back to where he was drafted. What's that? Ibaka can go back to where yeah. he was drafted. They could have uh, Macklemore sitting game side. <laughs> Court side. This is raw, man. <laughs> Kevin, what do, you th- what, do you, what do you think here like in terms of... Is there a tactical innovation that the a new Raptors coach could add? Or, and we can get into some LeBron worship now, are we just running up against the reality that no one can beat LeBron when he's turned on? In terms of the tactical side of it, it's like the system was fine. It was a really good system this year. They, they played the way you want to play, and even this series, they've still retained that. They're moving the ball. End of game one, DeRozan didn't settle for an ISO. He attacked to the basket and kicked it out to Van Vliet for an open three. It just didn't go in. Yeah. Like they're still playing the way the coaching staff wants them to play. It, it, it's DeRozan still isn't the three-point shooter that you would hope he is. And like some of the young guys on that roster still aren't really what you hope they are. So maybe for Toronto, it's like wait it out. Maybe LeBron leaves and goes west. Wait it out is the new blow it up. But maybe. <laughs> but here's the thing: Are you beating Boston with Hayward and Irving back? Are you beating Philly with Embiid and Simmons getting better and adding another max free agent potentially? Do you feel like they're it's, about to get yeah. they're about to get the drawn back into the middle middle class? They exactly. are. That yeah. was the fear. That was the fear last year, and it's the fear now. They're a wing away. I think we also saw tonight a little bit of what the difference between a star and a superstar is. I mean, it's not fair to judge anybody against LeBron, but you don't ever get the feeling like DeMar DeRozan's about to take the game over in the fourth quarter. Which is crazy because he was like an outside MVP candidate at some point this season. Right. Absolutely. I I think the the issue is, if we're we're looking at the roster and not the coaching staff, is that, yeah, LeBron is amazing, and it's going to be tough to win a game against him regardless. But maybe when you go down by, like, three points in the third quarter, you don't wilt entirely and and just make it seem like you just can't come back. Like, it's insurmountable. It seemed like they defeated themselves as much as LeBron defeated them. To tie this to the discussion with Boston, like, the amount of guys they can throw at Ben Simmons, right? With, with Toronto, they only have OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam. To guard LeBron. Yeah, Jonathan Charks wrote about that earlier this week, and it's the type of thing where Siakam isn't good enough to stop LeBron, and OG is just a rookie. I have a follow-up That's, question for that, though. What about that? Kevin Love, though? <laughs> because <laughs> Minnesota Kevin, Kevin Love. Love is back! He's back! <laughs> Kevin wrote a piece about will we ever see Minnesota Kevin Love. We did. Clearly influenced Kevin Love. Perfectly timed for our publishing cycle. <laughs> Minnesota Kevin Love came out. Let's just get those stats really quick. He scored 30, 31 points. 31 on points and 11 boards. I feel yeah. the ice, the, the, the wind chill of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, highest plus minus on the team, too. Plus highest plus minus. Yeah. They need the second star. Like, they still do. Yeah. Like, and this was a, this is a close to maximum potential Cavs team, maybe tonight, with that kind of performance from Love. It opens up everything else. If, if, LeBron has a dependable second option out there, then Corver, JR, Clarkson, I mean, whoever yeah. else. I mean, they didn't really get it. was the 2016 Cavs it, again tonight, but still, I was really impressed with it, Love. It, it's funny because in game one, it was everybody else besides mm-hmm. Kevin Love. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then in game two, they were calling plays out of timeouts for Kevin Love. I mean, they were calling off ball screens to get him going. He was moving around a lot. It looked, did look more like Minnesota Kevin Love for sure. Do you think Ty Lue reads the ringer? I hope so. <laughs> I <do> too. <laughs> Haley, what did you see from Cleveland tonight? Did you, did you see, are, were you more impressed with Cleveland or were you more depressed about Toronto? Toronto. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because in the fourth quarter, when LeBron decided that he was just going to do the anti-Ben Simmons tonight and literally <laughs> shoot every fadeaway from any spot on the floor that he decided he wanted to and made all of them, it was just like he was toying with them. Paolo is cycling in some stuff here and there. Yeah. Do you have something for Got us? Got another one. Um, at Lee underscore Daniel 721 asks, did LeBron grab the sixth Infinity Stone before the Toronto <laughs> series? I haven't seen any of those movies. I refuse. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. No Avengers for me. <laughs> Such a contrarian. I, saw, I think I saw the first one. It was, it was not so, that good. I haven't seen any of those movies. <laughs> I definitely saw a three-hour movie. <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, all, they all blend together. Good to know. I can Maybe guess what an infinity stone means, though. I bet you, you can't. Wait, let's As somebody who's seen one Avengers movie, Possibly. what is an infinity stone? I assume it's a, a stone that goes on forever. No. <laughs> is it like a diamond? No. There are multiple stones. 
This has got to be like horror Is it like cards. a dragon don't ball? Don't give him help. I haven't seen it either. What's I just am really stone? good at context clues. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think an infinity stone is? Like a horcrux kind of thing? I don't know what a horcrux is. Harry Potter. I don't know. This is just explaining you everybody's It's not like this is a secret. I haven't either. Sorry you weren't 16 in All right, this is getting weird. Let's go to NBA Factor Fiction. Let's get off of what we do and don't know about Infinity Stones, which is <laughs> apparently an infinite amount. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about NBA Factor Fiction to open this up to a couple of the other series we have going on. Sure. Last night gave me life. The Jazz getting up under the hood of the Houston Rockets and saying, this doesn't work. Um, <laughs> is that Rodney Hoodshade? Indirectly? Is it? I don't know. Oh, under the hood, as you just said. NBA Factor Fiction, Factor Fiction. <laughs> the Rockets and the Raptors are regular season teams, so let's keep this to the Rockets. Was there anything that seemed like the Rockets were getting tripped up last night, and this is not a playoff offense, Kev? Hmm. Fiction, no. I mean, Utah's a tough team. They're a really, really good team, and they have a great coach and a lot of good players on that team. Utah's not a slouch team. So was there, there was nothing the Rockets did wrong. It was just everything was like Utah's elite defense, Gobert yeah. defending the lane. I think an immaculate game plan by Utah to come out and really contain what Houston does best. So you're but, saying you think Chris Paul choked? <laughs> no, no. I, I, it's like, look, Houston, they shot 10 of 37 from three. Right. That, that's like maybe, the, maybe if you want to say they're a quote-unquote regular season team, sure, but they're a team that trusts the math. They could come out next game and shoot... 22 of 37. It's it's about hitting their open shots. It was cool to see their kind of, well, I don't want to say major pieces because the Jazz technically have no major pieces except for a rookie, but it was really cool to see the other guys come together and contribute to that. Like, Exum on Harden was very, very fun. And then on the flip side, him on offense, Burks on offense, like kind of making up. Alec Burks book, Brooke. Yeah, <laughs> that was, I was trying that out last yeah, night. Yeah, he I said Burksbrook, and I did, it. it took me like ten minutes to understand <laughs> that you meant that, like, that was a Westbrook. Rest, yeah. Westbrook play on words. The long form feature will start with like a scene with Brooke Burke <laughs> against Alec Burks. Yeah. He he likes to take off from like half court and just be like, I'm going to the hoop. Yeah. So that's just I, a must okay. Thing. I want to remind you that I pitched something on him on Alec Burks. Oh, yes, yeah, like did. three did. months ago. I think I shot and everyone <laughs> shot me down. But didn't Alec Burks have like seven debilitating shoulder injuries? in between the like when you pitched it and like when the tonight uh maybe like over his career and love general. this editorial meeting round me airing my grievances i think the thing that i was most interested in is it feels like the rockets are going to fluctuate a little bit more than you're comfortable with based on those three point percentages as we mentioned if you're relying on chris and harden who played pretty well in this one and capello did his thing he caught the lobs and whatnot the other ancillary parts, if they're not going to hit threes, I do wonder if you're going to see games like that, and when the threes aren't falling all together, whether or not they're not they're going to be able to generate enough offense with Harden ISOs to do that. And against a team like the Warriors, I would definitely be worried about. Isn't, it. isn't that last year what Daryl Morey said? It's like the higher variance increasing sure. their risk profile. Is yeah, you are going to have those rough nights shooting, but you're also going to have quarters where you score fifty. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you still have two of the best isolation players in basketball, one of the best ever in James Harden, to lean on when the game does slow down. And you have Capella, and you can just kick it inside to him for the easiest basket. What if Rudy's there, though? That's true, and he looked way better last night than in game one. What did you say about Rudy Gobert and some of his more demonstrative fouls? I don't know. What did I say? Something about like you, like Rudy sometimes like acts like he has my body. Yes, he sometimes <laughs> thinks he's like a five foot seven, one hundred thirty, we'll go twenty five to <laughs> pound like body. He's yeah. so fragile sometimes on offense, and he just won't go up, and it's very annoying. Here's to like watch. A, a, I would say an eighty six percent genuine concern troll. I'm going to offer up on the Rockets. Okay, is that when you play a game that's predicated on getting to the free throw line so much, you're obviously going to be deeply engaged with the refereeing. And mm-hmm. last night, last I night's refereeing was they, heavy. And I thought though. they started to get a little bit spooked by the refs. Like I thought, like there was a couple of times where it seemed like Harden was carrying a call with him for a couple of possessions, mm-hmm. or he would get into it a little bit with Crowder over a foul, and whether or not he got the call, and then Crowder would take advantage of that moment to kind of get in his head a little bit, and you could see James Harden be like, I'm the MVP, I can't like get into a shoving match with Jay, Jay Crowder or lose three possessions by right. getting heated about this. But that is really difficult. If your game mm-hmm. is like, we're gonna get to the line X number of times a game, 
That means you're you could the refs can get in your head a little bit. It, it, Wait, it, it, I, can you see how much Chris loves this shit right now? <laughs> this is his Super Bowl. This is how he makes up for the Sixers playing so poorly in past two games. No, continue. Yeah, it's it's definitely partially that. Like that's always been the conversation with Chris Paul too. Yeah, you know, mental toughness and focus. And, and I think another factor perhaps is like with James Harden, how much could be fatigue, right, on those step back jumpers that he's relied on so much this season, heavy which ISO, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a heavy workload over the course of the season where. Maybe you're starting to develop tired legs at this point mm-hmm. of the season. Okay, let's uh, do another NBA fact or fiction, and I'd like to open this up as as we are in a democracy to the Bitcoin boys back here as well. <laughs> Show of hands, and we'll tell you what the vote is uh, for the podcast. <laughs> are we headed for Cavs Dubs Four? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Just me and yeah, Justin. No, 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 no yeah, sure. you're right. You're right. Who, you're right. Who do you have over Cavs and uh, Warriors? Over Cavs Warriors. Yeah. I honestly so. Don't get too excited, but I honestly think that Boston winning tonight was just like... Fool's gold? No, I I still think that the Sixers have a chance out of that, and I think that the Cavs are just so floppy. They're the best. They're so floppy. Like, okay, Kevin Love was good tonight. Yeah. Right? Kyle Korver was good two games ago. It's just like, what what happens when nobody shows up except for You guys said it to say, you're the best, though. It's 2 nothing is a deep hole in the ground. Like, teams just don't come back from that, usually. Maybe (sighs) they're peaking at the right time. Yeah, maybe the Celtics have peaked too early. Maybe. That's what I think might have happened. No, I mean... (laughs) Marcus Smart is not going to hit four threes in the rest of the series combined. The Sixers are the most talented team. I think we could all agree in the East. It's just, with the the experience factor in there, like, you can't discount what LeBron and Love and just a bunch of other guys can do. And it's, he's rolling it back with the same team. You right. think, you think Cavs were again? Um, I had Rockets Cavs before the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I'd be happy to stick with that, but I do think Golden State should be the favorite. After seeing Steph back especially. Yeah, after seeing Steph back and looking like himself in game one immediately. And then with Houston, it's like, th- there's, there's something a little off for sure. I mean, I still think they're a tremendous mm-hmm. team, but something's, something's a little off I do right think now. it plays a lot into like, the mental mentality thing, which is kind of interesting because that's been on these guys' backs, on Harden's and Chris Paul's backs, like, for their entire careers. Absolutely. But it really seems like they get spooked, like you were saying, by the foul calls. But also I think that, like, Harden doesn't want to have another, like, 0 for 7 start like he did against the Wolves. Also, you know, that kind of thing can really freak him out. It is a little bit of playing roulette, is, no matter how good you are at That's it. their difference between blowing someone out and staying in the game with them, yes. is if they can make their three-pointers. And Eric Gordon had a good game, but he had a terrible game in game one, and he struggled all season. And, you know. All right, let's do, then, to wrap up this part, let's do a little playoffs prescriptions. Playoff prescriptions. So we're diagnosed, we've diagnosed the problems. Does anybody have any solutions for any of these teams that are down in their series? And I'll include the Rockets in that too, just because they obviously didn't play the way they wanted to. But is there anything the Pelicans, hmm. Sixers, or Raptors can do to get back in this? Let's start with the Pelicans with you. Oh, the Pelicans? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think they're actually playing really well and they're just losing. Yeah, I mean, they were in that game last yeah. night and it seemed like at the same time the Warriors could just step on the gas pedal and just pull all away by 15. I think what we forget about, and then credit shouts to Danny Child behind me for writing this in his piece tomorrow, so spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, but like, playoff Draymond Green is just on another level. Like, this is, we forget that during the season maybe they coasted a little bit. When he's on, this team is a completely different team. And what they were doing in that last game, it seemed like they were playing off of Rondo a little bit Mm -hmm. and giving him the Tony Allen treatment. Whereas on the other side, they tried that a little bit in game one against Draymond Green. And he made him pick. And Green made that first three, and I was like, this is over. This is four games. Do you know how strange it is to say that in the playoffs, Draymond Green is the most fun player on that team? Yeah. On a team with Kevin Durant, who's like the greatest scorer in the league. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, who could hit a shot blindfolded. Klay Thompson, who could do that as well. While drinking chocolate milk. While drinking chocolate (laughs) milk and enjoying, you know, some other extracurricular activities. (laughs) Draymond Green is still the most fun one on both ends. Not to interrupt here, but personally, I don't agree with that. Like. I, I find them like wow. more exhausting wow. than enjoyable. Is that bellworthy or what do we do? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay. No, I just I don't know. I find Steph more fun to watch. I think Draymond, I get his appeal, but it's just like it's too much. Steph coming it back, it was like almost a reminder of like, oh my God, I miss watching this yeah. guy so yeah. much. It's, it's fantastic. When he hit that first pull up three, whew, 
Do you have any uh, playoff prescription for the Raptors? Is there anything that they can do to get back into this Cleveland thing or hope that Cleveland does a Cleveland on themselves? I mean, with Toronto, it's like, like, like we talked about earlier, they're still moving the ball. They're still doing the things that they need to do. Maybe it's fix your defense because ever since mid-March or so, after they had that win streak, they've been pretty average. Mm-hmm. So, so it's about been six weeks or so ever since they've yeah. been a great top five defense. They need to get their defense fixed. Um, whatever it might be, whether it's intensity, defensive rotations, or getting the right lineups on the floor, something needs to get fixed on the defensive end of the floor. It's not offense, I don't think. Don't play C.J. Miles at center. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets of every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats the being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I just used it to buy Paul Simon tickets because I am washed, but you may not be. Maybe you got some, like there's some trap music concert you want to go to, or you want to go see some trance show. SeatGeek can help you with that. It is by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used it, like I said, for Paul Simon. There's also Dodgers Phillies coming at the end of May. I'm going to that. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the best bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. So whether you're washed or not, that's money in your pocket, man. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RINGERNBA today. That's promo code RINGERNBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat right now, right from your phone. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Pro Flowers. Doesn't mom deserve more than one day? When you send her Pro Flowers for Mother's Day, she's guaranteed to have at least seven days of fresh, beautiful flowers. Right now, our listeners can send 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase at just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. Just use our promo code RINGER. Pro Flowers has everything you need for all the moms you know. Just choose the delivery date you want and it is guaranteed. You can even get your gift delivered on Mother's Day, May 13th. The only way to get 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase at just $19.99 is to visit proflowers.com. Click on the blue microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use our code RINGER. That's proflowers.com, code RINGER. Uh, let's do some mailbag questions. Andy Driscoll wants to know, if J.J. Redick is off the board, who on the Ringer staff is getting picked for a first game of pickup? Mark Titus. He played college oh, yeah. ball. Shout out to Titus. Yeah. I want to. How throw, about in this room? Can Ooh. I extend it, it to on the other side of that wall? Because uh, I want to. Yes. I've not seen this, but Sean Yu. The reincarnation of Patrick Beverly, who is not dead. Wow. But <laughs> Sean Yu apparently is nothing but trash talk <laughs> and ankle diving. So wow. that's what I'm gonna go. I'm gonna throw a vote in there. Do you have when you when you see people, you're like that guy. But I've, I've heard Colin Orcutt. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, but Colin is isn't he hurt? Is is like completely devastated by a shark bite right now. <laughs> is he hurt? A shark bite? I don't even Gallagher's know what happened to Colin. Well, are we factoring in health, current condition? Yes, right of now? course we are. Yeah. of course we are. I'll still take I think Colin. Pat in this room is the only one that actually pay, uh, plays yeah. right now. So just to Pat, as Russell Gibson asks. Uh, are the Knicks slowly getting their act together? Nice pieces on the court. It's the same pieces that were on there last year. Uh, front office doing a job without noise, I guess, and now Fizdale. Uh, do you want to do a quick why LeBron is going to the Knicks and how it happens bit? <laughs> well, it comes down to me just like like speaking it into an existence. You should, like, Look, it worked for the, the Houston and Chris Paul and me. Right. Like Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really improbable considering that the Knicks books are just completely gross. But like, let's say Ennis Cantor opts out, or if Ennis Cantor opts in and LeBron opts in, you could maybe work out a trade if he like forces his way to that. I mean, I will say this. LeBron, every time he's gone to MS, 
MSG has always talked about how much he loves that stage. Sure. And he loves he the city. He loves the energy. Too, yeah. And he's a historian of the game. And I, so I think he would like playing there. Having said that, as you mentioned, the roster is kind of trash. Right. So I don't think it makes actual sense. But I think Fizzles is a good hire. I think he's a good hire for Kristoff specifically because he's the type of guy who could take advantage of him in his offense. We actually, me and Justin and Danny were talking earlier about how he could turn... Kristaps into somewhat what Anthony Davis has been after DeMarcus Cousins went down and like push him to the oh, five yeah. and see some interesting stuff there because Fizdale played such a huge part in Chris Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch's Chris, development. Chris yeah. Bosch, yeah. yeah, in Miami. Yeah, and there was and nothing else contributed to Chris Bosch's development though. <laughs> <laughs> and did you see that Fizz got on a plane and flew to Latvia like immediately after he got this job? Really? No, that's amazing. Isn't it amazing if like Kristaps is just at Hyde and he gets to Latvia and he's like, I'm here! <laughs> it's like Kristaps is like, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, just FaceTime him instead. Uh, Pala, do you want to take one of these questions and, a- and ask it to the group? Sure, sure. Let's um, go with this one from at Alan Montesillo. Montesillo. Uh, help a despondent Spurs fan. What needs to happen for a Kawhi for Doncic deal? Where is Doncic going first? I know. What, how He's does... going to Phoenix. Didn't you know that? <laughs> right. <laughs> they have our guy Igor. I, uh, Igor whisper. Would you do Kawhi? Would you think if you were the Spurs, you would do Kawhi for uh, like a top three you, pick? You need more than that. Yeah. It's, yeah, I wouldn't. Also, yeah, but Wolf's, he's also... Wolf's got Andrew Wiggins, Anthony also... Bennett, who didn't suck yet, and another, <laughs> and another pick well, for Kevin Love. We were sure he definitely sucked yeah. yet, well, but he we didn't suck. We're exactly <laughs> sure. It was just one year, though. He's still number one pick, only one year removed. Right. So they got two ones and, and a future pick for Kevin Love. Right. For Kawhi, like, I, I've been told like that the Spurs are going to need like a home run grand slam offer in order yeah, to do a deal. He's actually holding out on them. You know, Kawhi yeah. is pulling what we all were like, Kyrie really could have done this if it came down to it. He could just say, I'm not playing, which right. is seriously what it seems like Kawhi is doing right now. When a star gets traded, when we look back on it, the deals aren't as good as we think. And so if Kawhi picks where he wants to go, if he's going to say, I'm not going to stay here, I'm not going to opt into my final year or sign an extension or whatever, I think then the offers start to get a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. Really, like, when was the last good star trade that we've had? You don't get good star trades because you can never get equal value for what you're, but what if, you're offering up. If, if you're San Antonio and the offers are underwhelming in June during the draft, or if they're underwhelming in July during free agency, why settle? Like you can pull this sure. out into August and September if you really need to. I know that's well, risking it too, but you're also potentially getting a team desperate or you're driving up offers for teams that miss out on free agency. I think, I think there's, there could be an advantage to drawing it out too if you're San Antonio. On one side, I see your point. Um, I am, I am scared that if this injury thing continues and if there is more legitimacy to that than to this being like a ploy. Value goes down. Yeah, then your value goes down. At the same time, what he was saying is absolutely correct. What do the Spurs have? LaMarcus Aldridge is what, 31? Something DeJounte like Murray? Like Manu was supposed to retire last year. Tony Parker's not coming off the bench. I'm not really sure what they have unless they can get something really substantial well, they're, for they're, Kawhi. Uh, they're facing their toughest offseason in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually they build up. That's right. the whole thing about them. Paolo, did you have any other questions for yeah, us? Yeah, I like this one. Um, and, you, and Kevin mentioned Wiggins, but Dylan Anderson from Twitter had said, uh, Wolves fan here, just a thought. Assuming Cavs win and Toronto needs a change, how about a Wiggins-DeRozan swap? <laughs> that, would be, that would be a highway robbery. For, yeah. for, uh, for the Wolves? Yeah. 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 If they dumped Wiggins on the Raptors. How about we change this? What could they do to make that work? Which side? The Raptors. What what else could the Raptors like? Ask what could for? they? What would they have to sell their fan base? I mean, maybe you guys tell us if you're from what Toronto. What else would the Wolves have I mean, to Wiggins give up? Wiggins is from Toronto. Maple Jordan. Who is it? Wiggins well, is not, from Toronto. Well, it's not. But it's not no, like I'm a saying, Wiggins like, thing. People from Toronto can tell me. Do they have such affection for Wiggins that it would be like he's coming home? Give get rid of Demar. Yeah, Here's a question no. though. Would you? Do you think they would rather? After everything they've gone through with this team, rather root for like a young scrappy team than one who's going to. You know, again, end up getting eliminated by LeBron because of the expectations and all that. You, they would get that, a whole eliminated. Are, 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 are you saying a whole whole yeah. no, 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 no. I'm just saying. Always plays it's better in Toronto because he's like, I'm home. He plays better in Cleveland because he's like, you guys traded me and embarrassed me on live television. Yeah, but then he's gonna go out with Drake, and it's gonna be a whole thing. He's also only 23 years old. You think that there's second and third chapters to what we're seeing from Wiggins? I mean, look, like I think we did an article on this this season where it's like Wiggins is. Is not at all meeting expectations, but he's still shown flashes. How young is he? 23 years old. He's still shown flashes. We've said this a lot. I think he definitely needs a change because the 
how Thibodeau's coaching him doesn't work. Right. Maybe, you know, we talked a lot about maybe this would work better if he was in some, like, a clear system offense, which is like, okay, we were just talking about San Antonio, something like that, Boston, the Jazz. That would, I would like to see him in that before I give up yeah. on him, but right now I'm, it's just very frustrating to watch him play basketball. Right. Kev, Joe Spinoza on Twitter, uh, there's two questions. There's one from Joe and there's one from uh, Ewick7. I think it's, what is it, Ewick R7? And they're both basically, to summarize, <laughs> like Al Horford is amazing and Brad Stevens is amazing. Tell, t- talk about that. <laughs> For somebody who's just like, all I hear is how good Brad Stevens is or how all I hear is what a uh, mysterious genius Al Horford is, is there any succinct way to explain what they do that is so special? Yeah, I think with Al Horford especially, he does all the little things. I mean, we, we, we're, we're amazed by great shot blockers on the defensive end of the floor, but he's really like a master of angles, and yeah. he communicates, and he's a leader by example with hustle and, and, and positioning, and he can space the floor on offense, which helps everybody else out there, creates space for Tatum and Brown and Rozier to drive. It did for Isaiah Thomas last year, it did for Kyrie Irving earlier this year. And then Brad Stevens, we saw it at Butler. We saw it with the younger Celtics teams. He has a way of putting guys into positions to succeed. I mean, ultimately, it just comes down to execution and game planning. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it seems like those two together, have like they're almost kindred spirits in that way. It is really bizarre to like hype someone up because they very clearly like get the right position on defense. Right. And they cut a guy off because we're never gonna like champion that and celebrate it. It just kinda makes you like a super I mean, boring guy. Yeah, it's like Unless you know, you're playing against Embiid with two minutes to go. <laughs> the guy you look like yeah, did you look like Carl Lewis? It's like during the season like a lot of Sixers fans understandably made fun of like Al Horford's yes, stat line like thirteen, seven and five. <laughs> Charles Barkley an made fun of it. Yeah. And, and it's silly, but having made fun of it. <laughs> having that guy who is a an A plus screener, an A plus defender, yeah. A plus communicator an A plus he can leader. go to the screening hall of fame. he can go to the screening all star game he, he's he's one <laughs> he is aside from maybe like Draymond one of the best passing big men in basketball he does a lot for that team that doesn't show up in the box score um and hoots four asks after game two would you rather be going home down 0-2 or heading on the road after a split like the Rockets uh I'd rather be going on the home after a split I would I'd rather be win one more game but yeah. let me ask yeah. this which home team coming into these second set of games should feel the best about their chances? So basically, like, the Sixers are about to host okay. the, the Celtics in Philly, and the Jazz are about to host the Rockets in Utah, and New Orleans is about to host the Warriors. Who there, out of those teams, do you feel like has the best shot? Sixers have the most talent, as we said. The home crowd has been behind them. Meek Mill is there now, so maybe they'll have a more. <laughs> he was here tonight. He was there tonight. Yeah, I know, but this is out by Gucci Mane's resplendent Jalen Brown jersey. <laughs> yeah. right. But I mean, them and then obviously, I was going to say the Raptors, but no, I, can't. I think that Utah gym is pretty hype. Yeah. Yeah, the Jazz atmosphere. are excited, and they're willing Utah. to throw their phones in players' faces. So that's maybe right. That's, <laughs> that's right. They have. A, they they look at flopping them much the same way I do. <laughs> I share a lot with Utah uh, citizens. Let's wrap it up there for Haley O'Shaughnessy, for Kevin O'Connor, for Justin Verrier, for everybody in the back, Bitcoin boys, blog boys everywhere. Thank you for joining us on the Ringer NBA Show group chat. We will be back next week. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.